HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is proudly brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Visit wholefoodsmarket.com or download the Whole Foods Market app to learn more and find the store nearest to you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome to the Grape Nation, your weekly wine journey. Our guest is Ryan Arnold, Divisional Wine Director for Let Us Entertain You Enterprises in Chicago, proprietors of over 120 restaurants in Chicago and around the country. We'll talk to Ryan about the Chicago restaurant scene, New York versus Chicago Psalms, and more. We'll taste the Sangiovese blend from Tuscany for our weekly wine sip. I'm your host, Sam Ben Ruby. Stay with us for the Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. We bring wine to the people. Ryan Arnold, and correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan, attended the University of Montana, did a semester abroad in Turin, Italy, fell in love with wine, and never turned back. Ryan is a divisional wine director of Let Us Entertain You Enterprises, one of Chicago and the country's most successful restaurant groups, owning a diversity of restaurants. Ryan oversees the wine programs at some of Lettuce's finest restaurants, each focused on a different cuisine and wine program. Ryan was also a 2015 Star Chef Rising Star, which is also why he's in New York. Welcome to the show, Ryan. So great to be here. Thanks for fitting me in. It's my pleasure. All right, so Ryan, I want our listeners to know who we're talking to. So give me a quick background on your journey in life, wine, restaurants that got you currently back to Let Us Entertain You in Chicago. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Born and raised in and around Chicago. 
and uh, went to school out in Missoula, Montana. Loved the mountains. And I actually did do um, a semester in Rome as well. And Rome? And then... But the Turin thing was right, too? Turin, for sure. Okay. Yeah, I, I went up there for um, for wine, of course, right outside of Barolo, and then the mountains. How many kids in your uh, graduating high school class went to Montana? Huh. None. <laughs> maybe, okay. maybe one. Just curious. <laughs> maybe All one. Right. Continue, please. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and I, I did... I, I, that's when I got the bug. Came back to Chicago in 04. From Italy, you got From that, Italy, right. yep, from Italy. Actually, was over in Greece for quite a while, as you do as a, a college student. You travel a bunch when you're right. in Italy. And um, was in Greece for the summer, came back, and then got a job waiting tables at a lettuce entertain you restaurant with Belinda Chang. She was a Who's wine director. Who's a very was, prominent wine person now. That, yeah, in Chicago, here, right? In Chicago, yep. Right. She was here for probably, what, a decade or so, I think. Right. Um, yeah, so I worked with her, and it was an all-Italian wine list, maybe 350 uh, selections. No domestic wine. Wow. No cocktails, really no beer. And you had to know, I mean, with Italian wine, you have to know how to pronounce the grapes, right? So if you know how to speak Italian, you're already one up. So okay. um, I transitioned into wine sales. I didn't call myself a sommelier back there. It was 04, 05, so a wine, a wine steward, I so guess you, is what I was. you were on the restaurant thing with Belinda, left there, and went into the... The sales, import, import distributor side. A- absolutely, okay. I didn't like the the hours of of the, yeah. uh, working the floor. Retail, yeah, <laughs> yeah, never did that. Yeah, so you work with a couple of good companies, right? Yeah. So after that, I worked for um, Vindivino, Chicago-based company. They, I guess, are most well known for Austrian. So they had hands down the best portfolio back in the early '90s, 2000s. With um, producers like Prager, Rudy Peekler, uh, Crocker, yeah, definitely. So they had um, Mark De Grazia too. So big Italian book, but really uh, Austrian focused. And then Winebow. Then I went to work for Winebow, which is huge, a, huge. Yep, they opened a Chicago wholesale branch in 2012. So as big as Winebow is was then. They didn't have that branch in Chicago. Right. Yeah. They were just up here in the, in the Northeast. So you did the nine to five sales. Yeah, it was fun. It was, it was fun while it lasted. How uh, long did you do it? That was two years, two years. So you woke up one day and said, I'd rather be walking around at 11 PM. What happened? A- a- absolutely. And it was, um, getting into sales was fun because I got to travel. I was a regional director, so I got to travel around the country and um, got to go in and out of a lot of beautiful restaurants and met some What about people. wineries they represented? Did you do any European trips or not Yeah, I know, absolutely. That's how I was first, um, I guess, really why I was intrigued in sales is, you know, you open a great restaurant and all the importers and winemakers are coming in to support you. And I just started to um, talk to the gentleman's name is Seth Allen that owned Vindivino. And he's like, yeah, you know, a part of this job is you actually get to go travel to Austria, to Tuscany. It's like, all right, sign me up. Wow. So you got to do all that. All right. So let's talk about, so that, wait, we're not done. So that brings you, you, you do the, uh, the business side for a couple of years, and then you go back into the restaurant biz. Yeah, I got really lucky with that. How? Uh, I got what a happened? call. I was at a little um, Cuban restaurant having lunch. And at the time, I had a couple Let Us Entertain You restaurants as my accounts. I was right. selling to them. And I got a, it was a text, rather, from um, Rich Melman, the founder of the company, right. his two sons, RJ and Jared. 
they, they texted me and said, hey, can, can you come downtown now? We, we have some questions we'd like to ask you. It's like, oh, shit, I'm, I'm in trouble. I didn't ship wine. Long story short, I go down and meet with them, basically drop what I'm doing. Like, hey, we want to bring you back aboard. You know, you've been gone for about almost 10 years now. Would you like to come on board and be um, wine director, help educate the staff with all of our restaurants that we're opening? Nice. It's like, oh, my gosh, I didn't really have to think twice about that. Wow. So that was 2012. That was maybe February. And I said, for sure, but I'm going on a trip to France with Bobby Ketcher. Uh, to the Rhone Valley. So right. after that, I'm totally yours. That's great. So when you got back, you started doing what? You did the education, but were you in certain restaurants? I mean, you took on what responsibilities? Yeah, man. Back then, it was three restaurants. Completely. The best part about my job is I'm in um, a myriad of different restaurants. We'll all talk about cuisine. that. Yeah. I, I'll get to that. So that was three restaurants. Right. Just three restaurants, uh, Italian, American, and a French bistro. So I set up the list there and did the training. Okay. So we'll talk about that. I wanted to... So that's... We're up to speed, right? Yeah. All right. Um, so Chicago was just selected as the best restaurant city in the country by Bon Appetit magazine. I saw You it. know, No Slouch magazine. Um in your mind, is that a long time coming? Yes. I mean, recognition-wise. Why? I mean, we've been on the map for quite a while in terms of fine dining. You know, I think um, with Trotters and Alinea, of course. But I think Grace. I think what happened recently, though, kind of I think what's happening out here in Bushwick, but in, in neighborhoods kind of on the periphery. Give me um, an example, like West Loop or something? Um, or? Even further, where, where I live. Um, Logan Square, okay. Bucktown. You know, when I was reading that magazine, it was just almost 90% of what they mentioned from bars to restaurants were within walking distance of my house in Logan Square. Um, so would you equate that in New York, all the restaurants used to be in Manhattan? You know, now they're in Williamsburg, they're in Greenpoint, they're in Fort Greene. Yeah, I they're think so. They're out in Queens. It's, it's spreading out from what people perceived as the restaurant center. Absolutely. Right. So... How, how has that affected, you know, how sort of you handle things now? I mean, do you feel that there's more opportunities, you know, for restaurants to open, neighborhoods? I mean, are, are you seeing all, is that what, you know, this means? The recognition sort of spurns growth and all that? No, absolutely. And I think these, these periphery neighborhoods, too, there's a, a smaller barrier to entry. I mean, the rents. Look at our Manhattan is, I guess, River North, the neighborhood. That's, the, that's like the fancy, nice yeah, residential expensive. and traffic and all of that. Okay. A absolutely. So, all right. So you, you've been to New York before, and you were here for a few days. Um, do you see any differences between the restaurant and wine scene in New York and Chicago? And because you're from Chicago, I'm asking you that, but I'm sure you traveled to other cities. I mean, you know, I'm so ethnocentrically stuck in New York, and, you know, this is kind of what I eat and feed and drink, you know, all the time. And I travel, too. But working it, I mean, is there a difference, or is it all the same? I mean, is there a different hospitality? Is there a different feel? Is there a different approach? Or it's universal? It's quite similar. You know, I spent a lot of time in L.A. too. And, and here and in Chicago, hospitality is at the, 
the, the, the top of their game here. I think it's, it's warm, very professional service, too, um, which you don't see in other cities. But Chicago and New York have that similarity. From a wine perspective, quite different. I've okay, so a, let's get into that a little. Yeah, I think what New York is nailing right now, more than really anywhere else I've seen, is exceptionally curated wine lists, but in a pretty casual atmosphere. Right. That's sort of, you know, a mutual friend of ours, John Patterson, at the Frankie's Group, mm -hmm. has put a lot of time into curating a list in an environment with great food, but casual. That's you, what you're alluding to, right? Yeah, doing an incredible job there. And then also the team, you know, Robert and, and Grant and Daniel over at uh, Pasquale Jones yeah, and Charlie Bird. and Charlie just, Bird. Same thing, incredible food. That That's the wave. Yeah, right? yeah, that that is. I think that's the way forward. For I mean, sure. Danny Meyer just. We had Katie Morton on from Union Square Hospitality. They extended Marta the pizza place into a fried snack and wine bar. Really, <laughs> Vini Fritti, it's called. Okay, so it's an extension of that. Um, Martina is awesome. I was in their new pizza spot. Yeah, I mean pizza, Roman pizza, and and half bottles of Chris Gimene. Yeah, it's a pretty Genius. cool idea. And you get a bag of potato chips, by the way. Yeah, you do. When I you do. order champagne, yeah. Um, so, what about access to wines? I mean, does is does Chicago have the access to wines that a New York or a San Francisco does? I mean, that's that's again an ethnocentric question because why wouldn't you? But you know, you live it. So, can you get what you want, or sometimes it doesn't get to you? Sometimes <clears throat> it doesn't get to us. I'll tell you what, though, we definitely um, have access to allocated wines. When they come out in New York and San Francisco, they're gobbled up right away. In New York, or in, pardon me, in Chicago, allocated wines seem to stick around a little longer. So we actually have access to, to um, similar quantities of wine. However, the buying is very frustrating in Chicago. Here, you by, can buy... By laws? Or by laws. You're, you're um, bound to do it a certain way? No consignment. You know, some of the best restaurants I've ever been in in San Francisco, they don't own all their wine. It's consigned from a... Right. A collector, and then here too. I was just talking to a buddy that runs. Is a, consignment always from the collector, or can it be from the importer or distributor? It's got. I, I don't think it is a lot. It's yeah, collect collector for sure. A collector. So Veritas and Crew in New York were two of the biggest collectors yep. in the world, and the list was basically that you can't do that. Can't do that in Chicago. Not saying it's not done. Right. It's not legal. Right. And then also too, you can buy a pallet of wine here for your restaurant, fifty-six cases. And store it off-site. You know, one of my biggest challenges is you're constrained to square footage. So wait, so by law you have to keep the wine on premise? Exactly. So it has to be that's invoiced That's an Illinois law or a Chicago law? That's, that's the state of Illinois. Jesus. I mean, there's so many restaurants that we were just, you know, casual, cool places with good lists. They don't have the space to do that. It's, it's my, one of the great wine directors here, Jason Wagner. He was spent some time Union in Chicago Square. at Union Square and... He's funny because he can find a wine and he's like, I want all of it. And now he can do it because he can buy 40 cases, right. keep it off site and ship, you know, I don't know, two or three cases a week into his restaurant. So even a Let Us Entertain You, which is like, you know, mega company, a lot of restaurants. I mean, they could build a warehouse. You can't. No. God. So how does that affect restaurant by restaurant? Because size varies, menu varies, what you could do. Is that part of the configuration? Like, I can't go crazy because I don't have the space or... You push that aside. You have to get very creative. Yep. You really? have to turn closets into wine storage. I mean, it could be worse. It could be Portland. Portland is a exclusively COD city. So restaurants in Portland are ordering 
couple times a week because they just don't have the cash to place a $5,000 invoice because here and in Chicago, it's a 30-day term. Wow. So, yeah. So, that it is could be worse. worse. could right. be worse. Yeah. Um, does that affect, like, if something special or cool came up? You know, you have a friend who's an importer. He goes, listen, I got six cases of this. You know, I got to get rid of them. Take two or three, and you know it's a killer wine. You don't have the space. I mean, do you have to pass on stuff like that, or you'll figure it out? Usually I'll, I'll figure, figure it, out. it out. Yeah, and we can definitely spread it across a couple of restaurants. Yeah. I, I didn't realize that. That's a difficult thing. Um, all right, so tell us what the hell you do over at Let Us Entertain You. Um, first of all, give me a quick... I don't know if there's anything like lettuce in New York. I mean, there's a lot of chef-driven companies. I mean, Union Square Hospitality, not mm-hmm. as many restaurants. Take Shake Shack out, Michael White, the Marais Group, Andrew Carmelini, all those guys. There's nothing as big as lettuce. Tell us, you know, what lettuce is first and then. Yeah, for sure. The, I think the, the closest is definitely Union Square Hospitality Group. Right. And even... You know, Danny wrote, um, when he wrote his book, he actually mentioned uh, he did, Rich Melman. He's with a Midwest the, guy. Yeah, from, yeah, from St. Louis, exactly. And then he's got this philosophy on hiring for um, personality. Like, it let us entertain you. It was started in 1971 by a gentleman uh, named Rich Melman, who is, by the way, still works every single day. And we yeah, have over 100 restaurants, mainly Chicago, but quite a bit of a presence in D.C., a little bit in California, Vegas for sure. Uh, but it's the 50, 51-49% rule where right. we believe, you know, if you've got the personality, we can bring you in and then teach you up. Right. So that's the company. Now, you specifically, um, you're a divisional wine director, so it's so big. <laughs> it's tough for one guy to probably oversee the wine program and do it right. Oh, my gosh. So yeah. how does it shake out what you do? You, you have responsibilities to certain restaurants? Exactly. So say there's 100 restaurants, there are different groups, different divisions. One division might be 15 restaurants, and then that is essentially owned and operated by a group of managing partners and Let Us Entertain You. And then another division, like for instance, we have a, probably our most recognizable restaurant is Joe's uh, Stone Crab. Right. Um, D.C., Vegas, and Chicago, and that's one separate division. They have their own wine director that I really don't talk to, maybe a couple times a year. Is that sort of an entrepreneurial play? Like, let these groups, you know, get management involved, owner-operators, you know, do your own wine? Is that what it sounds like? That is exactly what it is. so that's a good thing. Competing against them. We have restaurants in Chicago. One of our restaurants, Summerhouse Santa Monica and Stella Barra Pizzeria, that's one restaurant that sits next to an oyster bar that's owned and operated by a different group of lettuce, and you better bet we're competing, right, for guests in the seats. Right. I mean, it's <laughs> the doors are open. <laughs> Screw them. You want their customers. <laughs> yep. That That's sort of an interesting, you know, setup in the sense that it's, you know, highly competitive. So let's be specific for a minute. What type of restaurants are you overseeing? Because I think the fun thing about that is my guess it's a diversity of types of restaurants which is fun for you as far as, you know, setting up and designing wine programs. Oh, my gosh, yeah. I mean, we have a barbecue place called Bub City that has two to four wines, so I, I'll set two that up. Two to four up. total? Yeah, that's... Okay. That, I mean, let's, yeah, I guess it's Zinfandel like Zinfandel or what? Zinfandel, a little Syrah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, um, and then <laughs> other rosé. <laughs> other than that, we have... Yeah, oh, rosé is quite good, too. We have... Um, Everything in between. You know, some of my bottlers uh, go up to 200 selections. I don't really have anything over that. 
and then everywhere in between. Definitely, um, I've been focusing more recently on more casual dining. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm out of fine dining. I haven't worn a, a suit in probably two years. So, so the classic on-the-floor psalm suit look, it's not necessarily going away, but we're moving away from that, and you don't need to be doing that. Yeah, it's not not for me. Um, but there's a few restaurants, I guess like Everest or whatever, where the mm-hmm. the the service is more of that, right? Oh, my word, yeah. That's a bow tie type of place. Yeah. Um, I would assume that you've been responsible in opening some places? Yeah, I think I've got probably 15 restaurant openings under my under belt. Under your belt? Yeah. How many different restaurants? I'm sure there's some dupes in there. Yeah, there are a couple different, uh, some duplicates. Um, just about 12. What? In three cities, in three markets. Start from scratch? I mean, you sit there with the chef, the cuisine, you know, the type of market, and you determine the wine list? How do you go about that? Yeah, you know, that's something I learned as I went along. That's definitely the process is uh, talk about the concept and the cuisine. Market is very interesting, too, that I'm just learning about because I'm making wine lists in Hollywood and Santa Monica, different neighborhoods in Chicago, and then um, probably the most frustrating talk about legalities and purchasing wine is Bethesda, North Bethesda, Maryland, uh, Montgomery Why? County. It's all regulated by the, the county. So everything is like basic. Pennsylvania's oh, a state wine yeah. thing. Everything there's through the county. Everything's twenty percent. God, it's so archaic. The county just takes it. They take. They it, raise the wine twenty percent and ship it. it. It's archaic, right? Absolutely. So it must be a fun thing to put together. I mean, that's the interesting thing that people don't realize. I mean, the allure and romance of wines and pairing and the food. You know, it was a little overshadowed by the fact that a guy like you who's in multiple, you know, or the company's in multiple markets, you know, you're subjected to so many different mm-hmm. kinds of, you know, restrictions and regulations, including the size thing and all of that. All right. So you like to create wine programs. I guess you could say that a guy like you is interested in wines that are alive, exciting, dynamic. You know, you don't want to yeah. be a boring guy. Um, so let's use those adjectives and let me tap into a guy like you who's served drank ordered a lot of wines let's talk about currently your favorite wines around the world for restaurants for drinking for turning people on that you feel are alive exciting and dynamic give me some specific wines regions you know what's what's floating your boat now Oh, man. So recently we opened up a Mediterranean restaurant okay. called Ema, and I've been tasting a lot of, talk about alive, a lot of crisp, high-toned white wines. Not um, just Greek. No, not just Greek. I'm talking coastal Italy. Right. Places like maybe Liguria. Liguria. Yeah, Ischia. Like Vermentino Ex- yeah. and stuff like that. They call it, yeah, Pigato up there. Pigato. Um, I'm really excited about So Vermentino. I'm answering the question. So crisp white Ligorian, Italian coastal wines, which specifically are called Pigato or Vermentino. Right. Keep going. And then uh, Corsica right now. I'm which drinking. is a French island, but off of Italy. A- absolutely. What do Sardinia. you like there? Right there, um, some red wines from the Nulutra grape. It's uh, high What top. kind of grape? The grape there is called Nulutra. Spell. N-I-E-U-L-L-I-C-U, I believe. Yeah. And red grape? Red grape. What kind of characteristic? Yeah, savory red, almost kind of like a frappato, okay. super crisp, a little bit more tannic, though. Is it a good food wine? It's absolutely a good food wine. So that's what I'm. And I'm, reasonably priced? 
Yeah, yeah, probably under twenty-ish oh, retail. Oh, okay, that's that's a good price point. Yeah, and I'm and I'm trying to find more of the easy drinking, lighter textured, just with my diet now, just more like veggie friendly styles of right. wine. What um, all right, so Italy white, Italy Corsica. Get out of Italy for a second. Anything else? Yeah, Chenin Blanc right now, actually. I've been drinking a lot of Chenin from... Loire? Uh, Loire and actually Stellenbosch. I Af- recently was South in South Africa. Africa, yep. So I'm checking out Sanso, too. Um, sounds kind of weird, but Sanso from Chile. Spent some time down in the Ipata and Male. So, you know, Sanso is, is predominantly found in Provence. Most Provence, right, 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 right. Pro- Provencal rosés are based off that red grape. Uh, that one, though, is super lean, crisp, kind of tart red fruit. Another high-toned red that I'm really into now. Good good food wine? For sure, good food wine. So everything you pretty much named is not an expensive, fancy-schmancy wine. They're good food wines. Are they readily available? Like at a good wine store in Brooklyn or Manhattan or yeah. neighborhood Chicago, you could find some of that? Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's kind of the theme I've been going into. I've tasted the classics for a decade, you know, and collected right. wine and sold it. But I'm What going do you to... categorize as the classics? Oof, I mean... Tuscan wine. Yeah, Tuscan wine, Barolo, Barolo Bordeaux, Bar- Burgundy, right. Northern Rhone. Okay. Yeah. The, the, the classic wine. The, the, yeah, Rioja. Yeah. Do you do a lot of service of those wines or because you're going casual or price is an issue? Are you moving away from that or you were never there that much? No, I'm still serving those wines. Okay, and you need uh, to have them for... Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Do you have to look for like value Bordeaux or you make sure you have some names on some of the lists? You have to have the names. I mean, value Bordeaux, I mean, Bordeaux, the region is spending so much money right now trying to show people that... Bordeaux can be less than $20 and delicious, but it's so Appalachian and, and name-driven. Yeah. Bordeaux is. They're having a challenge there. But There's that, I don't know what, Bordeaux um, like consortium yep. where they're pushing you know, the value-oriented and lesser-known chateaus. I was with them last night talking yeah. about it. I mean, they're doing a pretty good job, and, I, and I'm sure you would know better than anyone. There's some good wines in there. Oh, yeah. You know, for value and all that. Um, all right. So any other thing that's driving you uh, crazy that you're liking right now? Right now, I've been spending a ton of time in California and I'm really getting into some of the, um, the for wine producers. or for business, business and, and then wine okay. naturally down in Santa Barbara, and which is, you know, stacked with wineries. Oh now. my gosh. There's some really fun gamay coming out of there. Some Shannon as well. Just they're moving past Pinot Noir. I mean, Syrah GSM blends too. Any any specific guys you're liking there? Yeah, for sure. I love uh, Tyler. Okay, what Tyler's doing in Santa Rita Hills. Um, Lou D. L I E U D I T. Yep, two the words. Place. It's that's Eric Railsback. I think it is uh, the man, the myth, the legend. Yeah, Eric Railsback. Yeah, and good good value wines. Um, Cab Franc. Cab Franc. Yeah, that that's that's Santa Barbara. You said, yeah, yep. yeah. I mean, that's an area to really. I, I, I mean, I think you and I could tell our listeners if you think about a romantic trip to Napa or Sonoma, you could have just as much fun in Santa Barbara, right? Oh, I'm sending people there all the time now. I'm like, listen, you fly into L.A., it's an hour drive north. Yeah, I mean, I, 
I've drank a lot of the wines. I just haven't been there in a while. All right, so speaking of wine and making wine, you've been involved in projects where you've made some wines. Tell me where you're at now because it's involved you. It's involved the restaurants. Mm -hmm. What's up with that? Yeah, probably the, where I played the biggest role was up in um, two wineries, I guess, at Scribe in Carneros. and Great then winery. Awesome winery. Even better people, too, yeah. the Mariani brothers. And then up in Willamette Valley, Brooks. Been doing some, some um, one-off Riesling labels with them and just released a Pinot Noir. Okay. Small, small, like a palette, 56 cases. So is that Ryan... Putting that out in the market or using lettuce as a vehicle or both? A little bit of both. Yeah, it's really just learning more about how that juice gets in the bottle. And like, for instance, Pinot Noir. I mean, we tasted 15 different clones to make the final assemblage of Pinot Noir. Oh, you did your homework. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was, it was fun. And, you know, they don't, we sell some of them in the restaurants, but most of them are broad market, actually. Really? Yeah. Um, and then I think off air, you mentioned to me a Prosecco. Yeah, Let Us Entertain You um, is working with Juliana Rancic. She's a, one of our partners in RPM, the R and RPM. We have one in D.C., two in Chicago. And um, I forgot that that's a Let Us Entertain You, and that's Juliana Rancic. E- exactly. Her right. husband, Bill, is from right. Chicago. One of the original... You're fired, not yeah. fired, guys, right? <laughs> yep, yep. And he, uh, he actually went to Loyola, Rome, too, and we went to the same school together. But she released her, her wine. Uh, it's called Juliana Prosecco, and that's served in, in our restaurants and elsewhere, too. It's broad market. So you could push a decent amount of wine through a successful restaurant, yeah. right? Hundreds of cases through the year. I mean, that's kind of a cool setup. It's kind of what, um, I mean, who mastered it is Bastianich, right? Yeah. They were making wines up in Friuli, I think. Right, right. Um, so that's interesting. So you're going to stay with the the wine thing. I mean, it, as far as what you're doing, it's a nice part. It complements everything. Yeah, it's fun. It's just a different expression, artistic. Being Any, able to try. Do you have your eye on something different? I mean, you said you're doing a little Riesling, which is fun. Some favorite is Riesling. Of course. Of Pinot. Course. You, you, you want to try anything else, or you see what happens? Uh, either Nebbiolo or Sangiovese. Okay. Grown in California, or? No, in, um, in Barolo, oh, or good. down in um, Great. So in you're Chianti. Gonna have, I hate to tell you, you're going to have to make a trip there and do some research. <laughs> I'll so be there in December. Okay. Um, so there could be something coming up after the new year, or soon after that. A- absolutely. All right. So last thing I want to talk to you about. And then we're going to take a break, and I want to subject you to our wine list, is you started something that's pretty cool and interesting called Squire Wine Company. Yes. That's not really a wine company, right? No, I don't even know. I call it kind of a marketing agency. Yeah. So tell me, because it's a nice community concept and all that. Yeah, it was a friend, Steve Morgan, who was a former SOM here um, in, in New York for a number of years. And when he came back to Chicago, he's like, wow, there's a lot of wines, specifically California, that aren't here in Chicago. A lot of what's happening is these new winemakers, like maybe a Dan Petrowski from Massacan or Michael Cruz, whom you know, from Ultramarine, they start their business predominantly DTC, direct-to-consumer sales, and right. they're selling, then they're selling throughout the broad market in California, and then, of course, they come to Chicago, uh, New York. They skip Chicago. They skip Chicago. So and <laughs> the, my earlier question is access. 
That's sort of a more drilled down answer. I mean, both those guys and maybe Steve Mathiasen are there's another one, very right? cool rock stars, and they're flying over Chicago. They're they're doing direct to consumer, which is a lot of money. They get to L.A., San Francisco, or the San Francisco yep. restaurants, and they get to New York, and then you get to pick. It, you, and it was very difficult. We had to call them several times and say, "Listen, the reason we wanted to do it was really bring the Chicago wine scene." Not to say we, we were trying to change it, but Steve's like, listen, these wines are great in restaurants. Dan, can you just sell us five cases of wine? Matthiasen, can you sell us 15 cases of wine? And um, we're So legally... how did Squire play a part in that? So, that? so then, too, the other issue we had was in Chicago, you may have heard this, but tastings, there are a lot of times tastings aren't well attended, um, whether it's a lunch or it's a trade tasting. So what we wanted to do was, and we felt bad for, you know, wineries Not and distributors. Not well attended in Chicago? Yeah, yeah. Because in New York, it's, you know, I've been to a lot, and some of them are crazy, and some are more intimate. Most are well attended. Like Portugal, uh, Wines of Portugal just did an event here. Right. And they were complaining, um, their, one of their seminars in Chicago, there were 150 RSVPs and 70 showed up. Ah. Um, so what we did was we started a newsletter, essentially, because... It was our impression that the word wasn't getting out to everybody. Maybe just the SOM or one manager. Um, so we did. We started a newsletter to the whole community in Chicago. We collected an email, made a database, and um, and then in that newsletter, we also talked about these new California producers. So you were able to kind of get the word out, right? Help the market, help the trade and industry, and all of that. Hundred percent. And I mean, tangibly, you take a Portuguese tasting where half the people show up. Have you seen through the efforts of Squire, you, you know, results? I yeah. Mean, it's helped. There's a buzz. People get their info from there. And it was very cool. Um, we've since stopped the newsletter because I found out having uh, – that was essentially beginning – it was more than a hobby. It was almost a second job. So I stopped the newsletter. But I'd get emails and texts from people saying, hey, thanks so much for sending that out. I wouldn't have no idea that tasting was going on. Right. So currently – We're still bringing in the wines. Right. And um, if you think about it, too, a lot of these California winemakers, they have, it's their second job, right? So, for instance, you've got Dan Petrowski maybe at a place, you know, uh, Larkmead, and then he's making Massacre on the side. He's and one this person. band of vintners. He's got a third project. Yeah. I mean, look at Thomas Rivers. Or yep. Th- yeah, Is it Thomas Rivers? Like 40 wineries. The, um, yeah, Chris Pittenger, too, with yeah. a winery called Grovant. But Steve and I basically said... You guys don't know the landscape in Chicago. Let us represent you, and we can get you in front of the right people. That's great. But we don't, it's a, we don't make any money. It's just kind of a fun project here. And well, you're helping the overall cause. Yeah. That's that, what that's it's a, evolved to, yeah. you know, which is a good thing for the market and the industry. And, you know, it's a good feel for the winemakers and all of that. Um, so that's Squire Wine Company. All right, Ryan, we're talking to Ryan Arnold. Ryan Arnold's in from Chicago. Good to talk to a guy from Chicago. When we come back, I'm going to just grill him with two more questions, and then we're going to do the uh, the wine list. You're listening to the Grape Nation on Heritage Radio. We'll be right back after these messages. Today's program is proudly brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Whole Foods Market believes in seeking out local, fresh, and seasonal food and in supporting local farmers, makers, and the community as a whole, economically and agriculturally. Whole Foods Market believes in food that is vivid and colorful, fresh and full of nutrients. 
Food that connects you to your body, the seasons, and to nature. Food that helps you do more, sleep better, and wake up happier. Found in over 400 locations throughout the United States, Whole Foods Market only sells food that meets their standards, which means no artificial colors, flavors, preservatives, or sweeteners, ever. Whole Foods Market believes in real food. Visit WholeFoodsMarket.com or download the Whole Foods Market app to learn more. All right, we're back. We're back with my guest, Ryan Arnold. Ryan Arnold is here in New York from Chicago. I want to subject Ryan to my uh, weekly uh, wine list, but I just wanted to ask him a few more questions. Um, so, attitudinally, and we, we covered this a little, <laughs> Psalms in New York... <laughs> And Psalms in Chicago. Is it that Midwest thing? Or what is it? I mean, do New York guys think they're the bomb and the rest of the world just follows? I mean, you know, you, you could answer that. Ooh, wow. That's, do, that's... You don't aspire to be in New York, do you? Come on, we could diss a few people. Uh, no, no, no. The um, There was just a Psalm showdown uh, through the James Beard Foundation, right. I think it was. Yeah, uh, New York beat up Chicago, but... No, um, I mean, this city definitely has some of the most talented. Well, th- that goes with the territory. I mean, there's more people and all that. But true, true. like I said earlier, I think because it's become a restaurant town recognition. I also think, and we didn't cover it, but the distributors and wine guys now realize because Chicago's a wine town, they realize maybe, you know, they got to make a move and all of that. Um, well, there's some New York Psalms that say Chicago is a beer and a shot town, not necessarily a good wine town. Meantime, a lot of Psalms, when they get off, all they want is a beer and a shot. So what the <laughs> F is wrong with that, right? I mean, come on. All right. We're, we're taping the show now. This is, we're in the middle of October. We're going to run the show the week of Thanksgiving. So while I have Ryan here, I'm going to ask him one last question, and then we'll do the wine list. Keep it down to one or two wines. You got to answer this question simplistically. It's, we're going into Thanksgiving week. And everybody who gives a crap about wine, you know, will call me or probably nudge you and go, what do I drink, you know, with (laughs) turkey or this and that? But it doesn't go with sweet potatoes. So let's pick the one, two or three best wines to throw out on the table for a Thanksgiving dinner, taking into consideration traditional turkey sides. You know, maybe there's, I don't know, a prime rib or something. What, What do we put? Give me the best choices. They don't have to be traditional. They have to be good and interesting. Yeah, I'd say go with Central and Southern uh, Rhone Valley. Okay. Rhone Valley is France. There's a North and South Rhone. Chateau Neuf de Pop is South. The North is Cornas, St. Joseph, mm-hmm. all that stuff. That Those reds? Yeah, there's a cool little area called Gigondas. G-I-G, we got to spell for O-N-D-A-S. Great. That would be a good Thanksgiving wine. Yeah, lots of Grenache. Almost all Grenache with a touch of Syrah. There you go. So Grenache. Tell me a little about the Grenache grape and why it's good with turkey. Turkey. Oh, I love Grenache because you've got... uh, It's kind of similar to Pinot. It grows in warmer climates and can build alcohol a little bit quicker. But you get a lot of red fruits. Strawberry, cherries. You don't have... um, Sometimes you don't have the tannin structure, which I think makes it good with turkey. So that's a, so Gigandus from the Rhone, which is a Grenache-based wine. 
That's number one. Give me another one. After that, go with a little geekier, uh, Cherisuolo down in Sicily. Okay, so Cherisuolo, don't spell like it sounds. It's C-E-R-A-S-U-O-L-O. Cherisuolo, and that's the grape, right? So Cherisuolo, it's actually an appellation called Cherisuolo di Vittoria, which is an appellation in, on the island of Sicily, and the grapes going to be comprised of Nero d'Alvola and Frappato. Okay. Two great grapes, two great food grapes. Absolutely. So that, Inexpensive-ish, too. That's another great choice, right? Yeah, definitely value. What about if somebody wanted white or rosé? Do we even put that out on the table for Thanksgiving? Oh, or? yeah, for sure. So Check out... Well, here's a curveball. I guess we... We're just talking about Bordeaux, Pesac Léonion. Check out some whites from down there, uh, Sauve Blanc and Semillon. So Pesac Léonion is Bordeaux? Yes. Okay. And Semillon, the grape. So it's a Bordeaux white. Bo- uh, Bordeaux Blanc, exactly. Bordeaux Blanc, okay. Um, is that from Grave or? Yeah, it's just south of, um, there's Grave and then Pesac, two different areas. And they're generally value-priced wines, a- you know, compared to fancy. So the third recommendation is a white from Bordeaux, Pesac Lagnon. So those are good ones. So now when someone asks you, what should I do for Thanksgiving? Ryan just hooked you up. You could thank him and me if you want to. All right, Ryan, thank you for those suggestions. Now I want to get into your tastes. Um, we do the wine list every week. Let's do a special Chicago edition. Um, I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions and just kind of buzz through them. You don't have to dwell on them. What are you drinking now? Not this second, but I'm sure it's seasonal and you're tasting things. What's what's on the table now for you, the restaurant? Yeah, for sure. I'm tasting every day. What I'm drinking and have been for the last year is almost exclusively white wines. Mm. Almost exclusively white wines. Around the world or focused in on a... Pretty focused. I've been, you know, I, I fell in love with Gruner Veltliner back in 05, 06, 07. We kind of had a falling out, and I'm back on to, to Gruner. That's an Austrian white, terrific food wine, right? Yeah. But it could be from other places. But Austria's... Yeah, there's a little bit. I, I pour one from yeah, Edna Valley, California. Give, but... me, give me a reco on that. Oh, go with, um, I mean, producer-wise, if you want yeah. to stay value-driven, Domain Vakau. It's actually a historic. W-A-C-H-A-U? Yes, historic okay. co-op, but you can find some really cool Federspiel and Schmarag level. Schmarag is S-M-A-R-G-D. S-M-A-R-A-G-D, yeah. A-G-D. I mean, this stuff just doesn't <laughs> sound like, spell like it sounds or whatever. All right, give me one more. Another white yeah. Not necessarily white. Okay. Give me what you're drinking now. You know what? Always my weak spot is Chablis. Okay. I'm, I'm, I drink it almost almost nightly. Fancy schmancy or no AC level. There's a producer called uh, Laurent Tribute. Spell uh, Tribute. T R I B U T. Okay. And you can get um, village level like AC Chablis for maybe wholesale, maybe twenty eight bucks or so. So that's what retail. Yeah, you probably, fifty you, bucks. Yeah, you probably find it All for right, forty five. So not expensive, not cheap, but a better, you know, quality. All right, good choices. Let's move along. Tell me Ryan Arnold's favorite wine and food pairing. Something you've done more than once. Something that you go, oh, wow. Something you like. Something that makes sense. It's got to be encased meats. It's got to be bratwursts. You know, I'm, I'm from Chicago. and uh, <laughs> So I mean, bratwurst and what? Um Bratwurst and uh, probably Gamay. Probably, probably a bo- uh, simple, easy-drinking, quaffable Beaujolais 
Are you a big Gamay fan? The grape? Yeah, I like it. Beaujolais? I like it. I, for sure. I, it's super versatile in pairings. It's, it's a fun go-to. So bratwurst, a grilled bratwurst with a glass of Beaujolais. Yeah. Gamay. Nice. Everything feeds off Not each so other. obvious. You have the salty uh, pork-based brat. Yeah. You know you get smacked here if you say champagne and oysters. <laughs> so we love the fact bratwurst and gamay is, you know, that's a good choice. All right. This is the Chicago edition part. Favorite wine restaurant and or bar, okay? Outside of lettuce. You know, you don't okay. have to patronize them. A place where you, who's an expert, recognizes the selection, the service, um, the attention towards it. Give me a place in Chicago and then pick anywhere else, you know, that impressed you. Okay. In Chicago right now, it's probably Giant. So Giant is in Logan Square. They are very focused with their selection. Now, is that a wine bar, restaurant? It is. A, it's a restaurant. Small, small, okay. like maybe 45-seat restaurant. That's the casual dining out a little from Chicago that we were talking about. Yeah, with exactly. a very cool wine list. And I like their, their attention to detail with temperature of wine and, and the way they serve it. They definitely, they, there's a culture in that restaurant. They take it serious. Okay, that's a good one. Um, so that's Giant. That's in Logan Square. L- Logan Square, is it? Or correct. Logan? Correct. Now, Logan Square is considered Chicago? Yep. Just uh, outside the main. Just outside. Right. Um, give me something in your travels outside of Chicago. Outside of Chicago? Could be anywhere. Could be Paris. Could be Brooklyn. Could be Kansas. I mean, one of my happy places is Pasquale Jones. It's. I mean. Okay. So New York Pasquale. Sitting at the bar right there. That's a good one. And by the way, it comes up on this show, you I'm, know, more than I'm a sure. few times. <laughs> so, sure it because it makes sense. Yeah, you they're know, just that. killing every aspect. All right. Give me Ryan Arnold's favorite all-time wine. Can you narrow it down to one or give me one or two? Well, you know what? On my Uber ride over here from Williamsburg, I was thinking about that because I thought you might ask that question. Okay. And the reason I... cheated. Go ahead. And, uh, it... <laughs> It's 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 more than ironic because it's it's made by the producer of this wine that you brought Le on the show today. Le Torte yes. or Monteverde. Yes. yes, that. So I almost started to cry when I saw this here. Yeah, okay. Le I Le couldn't Pergolet. understand when I we're going to taste a wine for the weekly wine sip, but Ryan sort of he, he reacted strangely, and we'll explain when we taste it. Um, so your favorite all-time wine is. Montevertine Le Pergolet Torte, uh, 1997. So Montevertine is the area in Tuscany. The maker is? So uh, Montevertine, the estate, and then the Le the Pergolet Torte is, is one of their vineyard sites. Right. And it is a San Sangiovese, yep. It's Sangiovese. 100%? Um, there's a little bit of, I believe, a Canaiolo, maybe some Colorino. He, they're not using any French varietals. This is baby, that. So it, we'll it talk is, about exactly. it when we taste it. Um, all right. My kids are in their mid-20s. They're starting to make money. They're going to parties, dinners, and all that. They got to bring a couple of bottles of wine over to a friend for a nice dinner. They don't want to show up with crap. Give me your best recommendation retail for a red and a white, 15-ish. You can go up, not down. Let's start with a red. Okay. Retail. Retail for $15, I would bring... You got to bring bubbles. You got to bring, I think, kava. Okay. Check out Kava. Everyone's I like in the bubbles, bubbles thing. So the way to break through bubbles is a cheap bubble Kava. Just don't bring Prosecco. I was just going to say, you're the Italian wine guy lover. Why not Prosecco? May, may, maybe Franciacorta. 
Okay, why? It's just crappy when it's cheap? It's yeah, Francia Corte for, I think, when you're spending 15 to 20, you get a hell of a lot of wine. Okay. And it's less sugar. You know, most Prosecco is bottled extra dry, right. which is sweeter than Brut. So that's our white, a cava. Bring the bubbly. That's fun. Goes with tons of food. Or Francia Corte. Or Francia Corte. And give me a red, 15 bucks a roundish. Try to find, have you ever had Steve Mathiason's Tendu? Um, I have had it. It's T-E-N-D-U. Yeah, it's a liter bottle. Right. You know, it's cool. Um, I just met the national buyer for Whole Foods, this gentleman, Doug Bell, and we were talking about a new section they created. I think it's probably over now, but it's um, chilled reds. So reds you can kind of put a bit of a chill on that are pretty easy drinking. But the, the Tendu is a one liter bottle with a crown cap. So super good wine, and you'd it'd be the conversation of the party. So Steve Mathiason's one of the cool winemakers, critically acclaimed in California. He makes a value-priced wine. It comes in a liter bottle? In a liter bottle, yep, a white and a red. Tendu, the red. The white is what grape? It's predominantly Vermentino, I believe. Okay, white, which yeah. we were talking about before. Cool grape from uh, coastal Italy. What's the red? The red, it's um, a Barbera blend. Okay, a little different. All right, last question, and then we'll go into the weekly wine sip. Do you have a favorite wine and food city outside of Chicago? Outside of Chicago? Could be domestic or beyond. I, I have to say Portland, Oregon. Portland? Yeah. Why? I mean, I, a couple of places obviously resonate with you. The, the, the technique, the access to the produce that they have at their fingertips. I mean, everything out there is just super fresh so and So ingredient-driven. Yeah, I think so, for sure. New York has a little of that with Long Island mm. and upstate. I think Chicago maybe has a little less. I mean, you're growing cows and cheese or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> we have great cheese. But you really recognize it in the Portland. Absolutely. And the chefs and restaurants. Really creative, too. They're tiny restaurants. They actually kind of remind me of, of Roberta's here. Yeah. And wacky wineless, too. And I was just going to say, and wine service that goes along with it. Well, service is a whole the nother. <laughs> there, there is no such thing as good service in Portland. Really? That hospitality that is kind of missing, yeah. Okay. That'll be for another episode. All right. So those are Ryan's choices, some good ones. We'll post them on our social media. I'll tell you where at the end of the show. Um, we're going to close the show with our weekly wine sip. Every week we taste a different wine on air. For our weekly wine sip this week, we're going to taste the 2013 Pian del Ciampolo from Monteveratine, an Italian wine from Tuscany. It's made up of almost 90% Sangiovese with some Canaiolo and Colorino grapes. This wine and other vintages, earlier and later, retails for about $28, 35 available at better wine shops. Um, so, Ryan... Tell me a little more about this wine. This wine, and, you know, we, we, we attached it to your favorite wine, same, you know, people. But is this a baby La Pergolo? Yeah, Pergole? I mean, this, this is, and you know, I, I can't see this wine, smell this wine, and taste it and not tell people to give Chianti a chance, right? Chianti still kind of has a reputation issue, but um, I, the Sangiovese grape, which this is, is got that tart red fruit, a little bit of smoke. So help me for a second. You, this wine doesn't have the word Chianti on it anywhere. Why do you say Chianti? Because Chianti is Sangiovese based. Yeah, and this is, is in this a Chianti-ish type wine. It could be considered. Okay. It technically it, it is in Chianti, right? Chianti is in between Florence okay. to the north, Siena to the south. Got you. 
And um, they just don't use the word Chianti. They're not in the okay. consortium. Now, do some Chiantis use Canaiolo and uh, Colorino, or they're mostly all Sangiovese? No, they, they absolutely do. And they sometimes do. they're throwing in Merlot, a little bit of Syrah. Okay. Back in the day, even white wine. All right, so let's uh, let's let's... Let's rate this wine. So let's first uh, give it a sniff. What do you get? Give me some descriptors on the nose. It's a bowl of fresh red fruit. I mean, this is cranberries, cherries. All right, so it's predominantly a red fruit wine. I think it's driven by red fruit on the nose for sure. I agree with you on that. And it does have a little of that, uh, the tartness of the cranberry. You know, not just your raspberry, strawberry, right. and cherry. There's that tartness. Um Let's go color, typical of a Chianti. To me, it looks a little lighter. Which is typical of Chianti. Okay. So now you can tell Chianti if they've messed around with it and put in a, a non-native varietal, like say Merlot. It, it, it darkens it, it up. It darkens it up a little bit. It should, Chianti, I mean, Sangiovese should look like this. So how do you describe this color? It's kind of a dark red? Uh, it's, more of a, it's more of a pale. Pale, pale red. Yeah. Okay. So it's a translucent. Almost, I mean, it looks like you could mistake it for Pinot Noir, too. Yeah, definitely translucent, definitely, you know, red. All right, let's go mouthfeel. Tell me if this is a traditional Sangiovese mouthfeel. Is it medium, light, heavy? um, Light to medium bodied. So medium minus. Medium minus, there you go, the Psalm talk. This has, um, wow, a hell of a lot more tannin than I remember it. In the past, and typically good or bad. In the long run, I think good. Okay. Would I drink this, serve this wine at dinner tomorrow night? Probably not. So it's a thirteen. You could sit in the cellar for a couple. Yeah, of years. I would. I would say the tannins so. will calm down. All right, so let's talk palate. What are we getting on the? Pa- are those red fruits translating to the palate? A hundred percent. And this is um, it's making me salivate too. I and mean, there's the the brightness and the condition of the fruit. Super high toned. For red wine, medium plus acidity. What about the alcohol? It's like a rhubarb characteristic, too. Yeah. Do you get that? Yeah. Alcohol is, is moderate. It's, you, I it's get not it more on through. the nose than the palate, believe it or not. It's probably, what, 13.5 maybe? Not sure. You check the bottle. Um, all right, so what foods would we pair this with? Cacio e pepe. Cacio e pepe, which is a white cheese pasta. With pepper. It is, so it's got spice and richness. Little tiny bit of spice from the black pepper. It's the pasta that really chefs, they say. If you is know that I mean, a, pasta. like a great pairing for this? Yeah, I think with the fat in there, I mean, or carbonara, even something, you carbonara. Know, butter sauce, fat, these okay. tannins would kind of help that. All right, anything else that? You know, you could also do uh, salmon. Salmon. Yeah, you could do uh, good salmon wine. roasted, roasted Instead or grilled of a salmon. Pinot or something. Yeah, you, that's a good call because there's a little fat in the salmon, which this will cut through. Um, all right, so I always ask my guests: Do we like this wine? Do we love it? Do we not like it? What do you think? I I really like it when you take it in the context of what the price is. Right. I think I, I love. Yeah, I love it. Right. I, I the reason I brought it in is because it's a baby La Pergola. Um, I think it's a delicious wine. It's a good blend. Like you said, it's a 13. Could have pulled it out a couple of years from now, and, you know, it would have been even nice. All right, so that's the 2013 Pian del Ciampolo from Montevertine, an Italian wine from Tuscany. 
um, predominantly Sangiovese. All right, Ryan, we're going to wrap up the show. If you have a question, wine happening, or event, hit me up at samatthegrapenation.com. That's samatthegrapenation.com. Follow us on Facebook at The Grape Nation. We'll post Ryan's wine list answers, and we'll post the uh, weekly wine sip that we tasted. And hopefully the correct spelling that I made. We'll get all of that. Ryan and I will work that out off air. I won't let him leave. Um, follow us on Instagram at SBenRuby and Twitter at BenRuby. Ryan, if we want to follow you on social, Ryan, let us. We're it's um, wine, W-I-N-E underscore Ryan, R-Y-A-N. Wine, Ryan, very original. At Instagram, <laughs> Instagram and I Twitter. I guess Ryan Arnold wasn't available. That's okay. Taken, taken. <laughs> taken. And listen, what you do every day is... You know, you work for some interesting, great people. Let us entertain you. If they wanted to just explore and find out more, where should they go there? Lettuce actually has a pretty awesome Instagram handle, too. Let us entertain you. Okay. Website, too. But I'd say check them out on Instagram. So it's L-E-T-T-U-C-E. Exactly. Us entertain you, which is L-E-Y-E. That That's not the Instagram. But let us entertain you. That's the Instagram. Yes. Okay. And website? Well, yeah, website's f- f- good. I think the okay. Instagram's better. Okay. So that's wine underscore Ryan to talk to Ryan. All right, Ryan, I want to thank you for coming in. Thank you. Um, I was happy to uh, find out you were in from Chicago, meet somebody that wasn't from New York. You seem to be uh, much calmer <laughs> um, and more grounded. You have that Midwest mentality. I'm joking. I actually went to school at University of Wisconsin, so I got that dose for four years of that stuff. Yeah. Um, I want to thank our engineer, Vitor, and I want to thank everyone at the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sam Ben Ruby, and you've been listening to The Grape Nation. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food Radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.